All right. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you all. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at River City. Glad you could join us for worship this morning. Uh, As always, I'm looking forward to opening God's Word with you in our time together. Uh, This Advent season, uh, we have been taking a look at what it means uh, for for us to see Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9 foreshadows Jesus, that he'll be the Prince of Peace. Uh, And so this morning as we study and as we spend time together, uh, we're going to be continuing uh, this Advent season taking a look at what does it mean that he is the Prince of Peace and how does that affect and change our lives. So uh, uh, last week we began by taking a look at Luke chapter 2 and the message of the good news of great joy that the angels uh, gave to the shepherds that very first night. And we saw that that was a message of good news, of great joy, and the message was that the long-awaited Messiah, that the Savior had finally been born. And that it wasn't just the Savior that had born, but it was a Savior who had come with a message of peace. God's people were desperately hoping uh, that uh, this this Savior would be something uh, that, in fact, he he really wasn't. You see, the, 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 the peace that Jesus came bringing wasn't the kind of peace that they expected or even knew they needed. Uh, you see, Jesus was born during a, a time in, in history known as the Pax Romana or the Roman peace. It was a time of uh, historic world peace, but it was a time of peace that was brought on by uh, just, uh, it was brought on and maintained by uh, just a brutal sword and by violence, right? And God's people were desperately hoping that the Savior that had come would be a Savior that would bring a kind of national and political peace. It would be, he would be a Savior that would, that would come to overthrow the Roman, Roman government, and it would come to conquer the Romans who had, who had conquered them and oppressed them, and that he would win for them this national political peace with an even mightier physical sword. You see, but that's not what Jesus came to do. You see, Jesus hadn't come to save his people from Rome. He, he hadn't come to bring them a national, political kind of peace. You see, instead he had come to save them from the true enemies of Satan and sin and death. And to reconcile people who had separated themselves from him and, and, to, and made themselves enemies because of their sinful rebellion. You see, Jesus hadn't come to bring a peace by starting another war. You see, Jesus had come to bring, pre, bring peace by ending one. You see, he came to end our war with him and to bring us peace with him. You see, peace that comes not by the power of a sword, but instead through the greater power of a sacrifice. We saw last week in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, that Jesus makes peace with us. Colossians 1 says, through his blood, which is shed for us on the cross. You see, the Israelites thought that their Savior had come to make their situations right. You see, but what Jesus had really come to do was to set them right with God himself. You see, what the Israelites needed and what you and I need today more than anything else, more than national political peace, more than relational peace, more than even personal inner peace, what we need more than anything is peace with God. You see, in the good news that brings great joy at Christmas, it begins by remembering that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has come so that we might have that kind of peace. He comes offering that kind of peace to us. And so the good news of Christmas, it begins there. It begins with Jesus as our Prince of Peace who makes peace between us and God. But that's not where the message of peace that Christmas reminds us of ends. And that's good news for us this morning, you see, because the reality is that peace with God is the key to peace everywhere else. Peace with God is the key to peace everywhere else. You see, a relationship with the Prince of Peace is what enables us to experience true peace, 
on an internal, personal level, and also on an external, relational level. You see, and that's what we're going to be talking about these, these next two weeks as we head up to Christmas, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. You see, week, week one, we saw that Jesus is the Prince of Peace who makes peace between us and God. This week, we're going to see how Jesus is the Prince of Peace who gives us inner peace. And next week, as we, as we uh, again, prepare for Christmas, we'll see how Jesus is the Prince of Peace who gives us peace with others. Specifically this morning, what I want to show you in our time studying God's word is how knowing Jesus as the Prince of Peace is the key to experiencing inner peace. You see, knowing Jesus as the Prince of Peace is the key to experiencing inner peace because no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, inner peace is something that we all long for. It's something we all want, especially this time of year. There, there is, it seems like Christmas, if there's one thing the Christmas season is great at doing, is showing us how much we lack inner peace. In the midst of all of the joy, in the midst of the season that should be full of, full of life, it often feels like it's full of burden and stress and overwhelmingness, right? It, it, there's like this lack of peace, even though we're intended to be remembering the Prince of Peace. You see, and in John chapter 14, verse 27, the Prince of Peace himself, he gives us an entire treatise in one short verse. He gives us an entire treatise on what inner peace really means and how to get it. You see, he shows us what inner peace, he shows us the way to inner peace that we are all looking for. And as we study his words this morning and see the inner peace that Jesus offers us, what we're going to see is four things. We'll see the source of it, the basis for it, the results of it, and lastly, how to get it. And so with that in mind, let's pray and we'll dive into our time in God's word together this morning. King Jesus, we come before you. God, we are grateful that you tell us, that you show us, that you remind us through your word that you are indeed the Prince of Peace. And so, uh, God, we just come to you this morning um, needing you to remind us and show us that truth again. God, needing you to set that truth in our hearts and in our minds so that we actually believe what is true about you. And so, Jesus, we come this morning just confessing that we might know that you are the Prince of Peace, but so often our hearts reveal that we don't trust you as the Prince of Peace. God, our hearts are full of worry and anxiety and fear and stress and everything that includes. And so, God, what we need is for you to give us a peace that only you can give us. And so we ask as we study your word this morning, God, by your grace, that you might show us the way towards that. God, that there would be life as we study your word, that it would bring joy and blessing, God, for our good. More than anything we ask in Jesus, it would bring about your great glory as we live a life of peace unto you, King Jesus. So we pray. Help us towards that end. Amen. Amen. All right, so this morning, uh, we are going to be in John chapter 14, verse 27. Short verse... Keep it short and sweet this morning. Uh, man, one thing I love about Jesus is like, man, one sentence of his, you could spend a whole lot of time studying and you'd not run out. So here we are, John 14, 27, Jesus speaking to the disciples here. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
See, there is so much we can learn about inner peace from this one short verse, and it begins by Jesus showing us the source of real inner peace. You see, this passage comes from Jesus' final meal with the disciples on the night before his death, and he's just told them that he's about to die and leave them, and, and that he's going to be betrayed by one of his disciples in the process, and that he's going, that he's going to be uh, denied by, by another one in the process. And you can imagine how the disciples are feeling in that moment. You can imagine the, the, the feelings that they're going through. They're probably shocked or confused. Maybe they're self-conscious or worried or anxious or fearful. You name it. I'm sure it was on the list of things that they were experiencing. You can imagine the thoughts that are racing through their minds. Is everything I thought wrong? Is Jesus not the Messiah? Have I just wasted the last three years of my life? How, how could Jesus' closest friends betray him or deny him? What, what's going to happen next? I didn't come up with a plan B. I, I sold everything. I gave everything. I left everything to follow him. You see, and it's in the midst of their internal chaos. It's in the midst of their fear and their anxiety and their worry. It's in the midst. It's in the midst of their utter lack of peace that the Prince of Peace invites them to an experience and internal peace that only he can give. You see, verse uh, 27, it begins this way, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. You see, Jesus is not just the way to peace. He is the source of peace itself. Jesus is not just the way to peace. He is the source of peace itself. Ephesians 2, 14 tells us that he himself is our peace. You see, real inner peace is inseparable from knowing the author and the giver of peace itself. You see, one of the most fundamental reasons we lack inner peace is because we are looking to someone or something other than Jesus to be the source of our peace, to be the giver of our peace our source idols, they often reveal to us the things that we're looking to as our source of peace. We, we think we won't, we'll finally be able to experience peace, we'll finally have inner peace when, when our will or influence is brought to bear on a certain situation or person, when we finally have mastery or control over some certain variable in our life, when, when we escape this stress or discomfort or this responsibility that's weighing us down, that we'll finally have peace when we finally have the acceptance or love of a certain person or group. You see, we look to things other than Jesus to be the source of our peace. The question is, who or what are you looking to as the source of peace? Maybe for you it's a relationship to work out or one that will bring you security financially or relationally. Maybe you're just waiting for someone to finally tell you that they're sorry for the way they've hurt you in the past. Maybe the thing that you're looking to as your source of peace is a new job or a work situation that will just get better eventually. Maybe the source of your peace, the thing that it rests on is, is children that will turn out great or that will, that will become what you want them to become. Maybe the thing that you're hoping in, the thing that you're looking to to give you real peace is political political reform. You see, it's good for us to want healthy relationships and good working environments and, and, and healthy government. See, but don't ever believe for a second that those things can ever actually give you real peace. See, none of those things are a source of real inner peace. You see, sometimes it's obvious that we're looking to something other than Jesus as the source of our peace, but a lot of times it's actually a lot more subtle. You see, like it was for the disciples here. You see, the internal chaos these disciples are experiencing is a result of the fact that they have fundamentally seen Jesus merely as a path to peace rather than the source of peace itself. 
You see, the, the chaos that is swirling in these disciples' hearts and their minds, the worry and anxiety, it is there because they have seen Jesus merely as the path to peace, not as the source of peace itself. You see, we, we do that all the time. We look to Jesus merely as the means for peace. You see, if, if I just follow Jesus, then, then this, this situation is just going to go better for me. If I'll just obey Jesus, then this situation will just get worked out and everything will be all right. And, and, and I'll just do this in order for this situation, for this experience to get worked out. You see, and while those things are often true, while it is often true that when we follow Jesus and obey him, things do work out. See, what happens is our motives reveal that we see Jesus as a means to peace, not as the source of it itself. You see, the disciples, their fear and anxiety and worry, it reveals that the thing they were looking to for inner peace wasn't Jesus himself, it was the kingdom they thought he was bringing about. And when the kingdom that they imagined him bringing is, is, is pulled from them, when the way that they thought things were going to go with Jesus in charge and with them as his followers, when that, when that vision is removed from them, there is worry and fear and anxiety. And what it reveals is that they weren't looking to Jesus as the source of peace. They saw him merely as the means to peace. You see, Jesus does not just give us peace. He himself is our peace. You see, the reality is, is that unless you look to him to be the source of peace, not just the means to peace, you will never actually experience real peace. You see, you'll always be looking to someone or something, to some situation or some outcome to be the thing that gives you peace, and it never will. And even if it does, it will quickly fade. You see, and that leads us to the second thing that we see the Prince of Peace showing us about the nature of the, of the inner peace that he offers us. That's the basis for it. You see, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. See, the peace that Jesus offers is fundamentally, categorically different than the, the peace that the world offers. You see, the inner peace that Jesus offers is, is fundamentally different. It is altogether unique because it is based on something altogether different. You see, it's a peace that is based on an objective reality rather than subjective circumstance. The peace that Jesus offers, it is based on a, an on objective reality rather than a subjective circumstance. You see, the peace the world offers is always dependent on situations and outcomes. If you can just control the variables or if you can just wait out the problems, if you can just outlast them, then you can wrestle peace to the ground and you can make it yours. You see, but the reality is, David Powelson writes, he says, most of, us, most of the noise in our souls is generated by trying to control the uncontrollable. We grasp after the wind, we rage and fear and finally despair. You see, but the peace that Jesus offers is altogether different. It's altogether different. It's not dependent on situations or circumstances or controlled variables. You see, the object of peace that Jesus offers is rooted in his sovereign authority and his steadfast love, and Jesus proves both of those things in the gospel to us. You see, by dying for you, by shedding his blood for you, Jesus proves his love for you and the lengths that he is willing to go to rescue you. You see, not when you were his friend, not when you had your act together, not when your life was cleaned up and looked presentable, but instead when you were his enemy at the height of your arrogance and your independence and your rebelliousness towards him. That's when Jesus came to rescue you. That's when he chose to love you unto death. 
You see, some of you need me to remind you about that this morning. Some of you need to just hear me tell you again that Jesus is for you, that he actually loves you, not some future, not some future version of you that's cleaned up and put together and has everything in a nice row. You see, he loves you now in your mess and in your doubts and in your insecurities and in your failings. You see, he is for you. He's not against you. You see, he loved the disciples in that state. They are a hot mess, as he tells them about his, where he's going and the life that he is leaving them to. You see, in John 14, or John 13 begins, it says, Jesus loving his disciples, he loved them to the very end. You see, in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of our lack of peace, you see, the king comes to love and die for us. He proves his love for us in the midst of that. But more than just showing us he loves us in the gospel, what the gospel proves to us is that he has all authority to rescue us. You see, by rising from the dead three days later in victory over death, Jesus proved his sovereign authority. You see, he is the ruler of everyone and everything, everywhere, at all times. Colossians tells us that everything is held together by him. You see, not even death has authority over him. There is nothing that... Jesus does not have power and authority over. That's the reason why the psalmist in Psalm 36 says this. He says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. He says, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, but God lifts his voice and the earth melts. You see, the sovereign authority of King Jesus is unthwartable. He has authority over all things and all times and all places and all peoples in every way, everywhere. There is nothing that is outside his sovereign authority. Psalm 46, it ends, be still and know that I am God. You see, when you know that the Prince of Peace has all authority, and when you know that he actually loves you, it brings about the kind of inner peace that David writes about in Psalms 3 that enables him to lie down and sleep even though he's surrounded by enemies. It's, it enables the kind of peace that the Apostle Paul writes about in Philippians 4. He talks about it as transcending understanding, one that enables contentedness in every situation, in good and bad, in plenty and in want. Jesus in John 16, tells his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, the peace Jesus offers does not come from the removal of difficult circumstances or situations, and it doesn't come by just blind faith in the midst of them either. Instead, the hope and the peace that Jesus offers us, it comes through a confident hope that no matter the circumstance, Jesus is still the sovereign ruling, reigning king of all, and that he loves you. And he's working all things towards your good. You see, sometimes life, when we look at it, it kind of looks like the inside of a sweater or the underside of a tapestry. I don't know if you've ever turned that stuff inside out or looked at the back. It looks crazy, 
right? There's just like strings going everywhere, right? There, it's just like, there, it's like, did someone finish this? Was, was like a preschooler in charge of whatever was happening here? Because like, that's what it looks like going on. You see, but the reality is, is that the outside or the front, it looks altogether different than the back, doesn't it? And see, sometimes what happens is we look at life like the inside of a sweater or the backside of a tapestry, and we can't imagine how things are working out. We can't see it. We can't understand it. It feels like there is chaos everywhere, like nothing is going to work out. But the reality is that from God's side, he sees the finished product. He sees a beautiful tapestry that he is weaving. You see, the invitation for us is to remember that God is the sovereign king and the loving father. He is weaving a tapestry out of what seems like a mess to you so you can trust him. In spite of your circumstances, in spite of how you feel about yourself, in spite of how you feel about him, you see the Prince of Peace is sovereign and he loves you. He has proved those things by dying for you and by rising again. You see, and when you rest in those truths, your heart will finally be able to experience the kind of inner peace that Jesus is offering you. See, and that brings us to the third thing we see about the inner peace Jesus offers we see the results of it in our passage this morning. Jesus tells the disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. You see, the peace Jesus offers, it's the thing that drives out the anxiety and the fear in our hearts. You see, the peace that Jesus offers is the, is the antidote towards the fear and anxiety that rules our hearts. You see, we all experience anxiety and fear sometimes. We all experience anxiety and fear times. But some of you are here this morning, and anxiety and fear and worry, they rule your life. They rule who you are. They shape your actions. They, shape, they fundamentally shape who you are. You see, they run your life. And when it comes to others in the world, you try to bear the weight of every problem around you, thinking that the solution, it always depends on you. You, you look at the government or the economy or the world, and you are just kind of, your mind is sent spinning, thinking about all of the ways that things are just messed up and how is anything ever going to work out. You think about your friends that don't know Jesus yet, and you become overwhelmed by thinking that they'll just never believe and that that's your fault. When it comes to yourself, what happens is you, you overanalyze everything you say and do. You constantly second-guess yourself and, and fear that you might be making the wrong decisions in life. You are hypersensitive to others' crit criticism or opinions about you. As an employee, you're constantly fixate on your reputation, and, and you wonder what others are always thinking about you and what they're saying about you behind your back. You, you move through social settings with this kind of deep-seated self-consciousness, replaying conversations in your mind. As parents, you, you fear that you are doing something or not doing something that's going to inevitably ruin your children or, or, or destroy their lives. Or you're constantly drawing comparisons with other parents and their kids. On, when it comes to social media, you, you pursue the validation that comes from likes and favorites and shares and what people perceive you as. See, Jared Mellinger in his book, Think Again, The Relief from the Burden of Introspection, he sums it up this way. He says, our daily awareness of sin and weakness and ineffectiveness leaves us disheartened. Self-accusations are relentless. We go to bed at night exhausted with false guilt and real guilt jumbled together with our hearts and minds flooded with the experiences of the day and with a general sense that we are failing in a lot of things. Maybe that's you this morning as you're here. Maybe that's the, th when, I, when I share those things, you're like, that, 
That's what happens in my heart. You see, and I want to remind you this morning of the gospel of peace that the Prince of Peace himself offers you. You see, if you are a Christian, if you have a relationship with the Prince of Peace, you can take a deep breath in the midst of the chaos. You can say, I can be full of peace and hope today because Jesus loves me and he has absolute authority over everything. However heavy my burdens are, Jesus can carry them. However sinful I am, his grace is greater than I am. However deeply I am stuck in myself, that Jesus will come to rescue me. However much I fear and worried by anxiety, he has already overcome those things. See, the question is, how do you experience that kind of peace? How are you able to, to do that? How are you able to experience peace in the midst of all that is going on? See, the reality is that ultimately, peace comes down to who or what you submit to. Peace comes down to who or what you submit to, who or what you look to rule your world, who or what you trust in to have ultimate control of your situation. See, the reality is that you'll never experience true inner peace until you submit to the one who is peace himself. Matt Chandler, he sums it up this way. He says, the Christian life is about surrendering our hearts to Jesus in a glad confession saying that I cannot. And I'm trusting that you can, God. I am making a mess of things and I trust that you will not make a mess of things. I give my heart to you, my life to you. I lay it down at your feet. God, help. Some of you are here this morning, and you need to do that for the first time. You have never submitted to the Prince of Peace. You might have been around him. You might have learned about him, but you have never submitted your heart to him. You see, the Prince of Peace is the source of peace that you have been looking for in, in the midst of all the other places that you have looked for peace, in the midst of all the other circumstances and people and situations and outcomes that you have longed for and looked to to give you the peace your heart is longing for and have never been able to do it. You see, King Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the one you have been looking for. You see, and I want to invite you to submit to him this morning. You see, fear comes from moving away from God, but peace comes when we are near to him. You see, in the gospel is the ultimate proclamation that God has come near to us, that the Prince of Peace has come near in order that he might drive out the fear that is keeping you from him. Some of you this morning, you need to choose maybe for the first time to submit to him, to say that you've been looking for peace and hope and life everywhere else, but what you need to do is find it in him. See, but the reality is, is that how you get inner peace that Jesus offers and how you keep experiencing the inner peace that Jesus offers is really the same. You see, it's by submitting our hearts and minds to him each and every day. See, Jared Mellinger, again in his book, he writes this. He says, one of the great challenges we face in life is that we are constantly turning inward. We experience anxiety and we try to escape it by analyzing our soul to see how much peace we are currently experiencing. We experience shame and a sense of worthlessness and we attempt to treat the condition by turning inward to examine our self-worth. The reason we are so preoccupied with ourselves is because we are not sufficiently occupied with Jesus. He says, fear and false guilt and unbelief and many other daily struggles are weeds that grow in the soil of thinking about ourselves too much and thinking about Jesus too little. You see, the more that we are captivated by Christ, the less we will be caught up in ourselves. 
We see what he's saying in those words. He's saying that our lack of peace, it comes from the fact that we are captivated, consumed by looking inwardly instead of looking outwardly, externally at the person and the work of Jesus. Robert Murray McShane, he famously said this, for every look at yourself, the Christian must take 10 looks at Jesus. See, what happens is we're consumed by ourselves. We keep looking internally. You see, but the truth of the gospel is that the only way out of that is by setting our hearts and our minds on Jesus, who is not just the way to peace, but is the source of peace itself. You see, because the way to experience inner peace is to set our eyes on the source of peace itself, the prince of peace himself. Isaiah 26 says it this way, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's an old hymn I found this week. It just stuck with me as I, as I studied and as I thought and prayed as, about this verse and about our time together this morning. It goes this way. It says, peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin. But oh, the blood of Jesus, it whispers peace within Peace, perfect peace, by thronging duties pressed. But to do the will of Jesus, this is truly rest. Peace, perfect peace, with sorrows surging round, while in the arms of Jesus, naught but calm is found. Peace, perfect peace, our future all unknown. But this our hope, Jesus we know, and he is on the throne. You see, our hope and our peace comes as we set our eyes on what is true about Jesus. When we remind ourselves regularly, ongoingly, what is true about him, what he has proved to be true about himself, and what is true about us. You see, but this morning I want to encourage you not just to think about Jesus, but to talk with him. You see, Philippians 4, 6, it says that prayer is what leads to the peace that surpasses all understanding. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, uh, he writes, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, I want to encourage you this morning, be honest with God about what's going on in your heart. Be honest with him about the fear and the worry and the anxiety and the trouble, the things that seem to consume you, the chaos that swirls inside you see, it's one thing to know that he wants to bear that burden for you, and it's another to bring it to him. You can be honest with him. He loves you. He knows you. He knows the mess he was buying when he, when he bought you and paid his life for yours. He's not surprised. He's not going to be irritated with your weaknesses or questions or cries for help. You see, he knows how much you need him, and he wants to meet you in your need. He wants to carry your burdens. So ask him to remind you about what is true. Speak to him. Talk with him. Be honest with him about your heart. See, and remember as well, John 14, 26, the verse just before our one this morning, Jesus promises that the Father will send the Holy Spirit, who he says will remind you of everything I have said to you. See, the Spirit loves to remind us about what is true about Jesus and what is true about us because of him. You see, it's something he is incredibly good at. You see, and the invitation is for us to ask him to do it, to ask him to give us eyes to see the reality, not just the experience, but to see the reality of what is true so that we might actually experience the inner peace that Jesus offers. 
You see, reminding ourselves about who Jesus is and about who we are because of him, that's the reason we take communion every week. You see, we're reminding ourselves that Jesus' body and blood was broken and shed for us in love for us. And we're remembering that he didn't stay dead, but he rose defeating Satan and sin and death so that you and I might be full of hope and peace and life in the midst of every and any circumstance See, communion, it does not make you right with God. It doesn't save you. It doesn't change your status or your standing with him in any way. You see, the one thing that can do that is faith in the person and the work of Jesus. Instead, it's an opportunity for us to remember, to remind ourselves of who Jesus is and all that he has done for us so that we might experience the peace that he offers us by remembering and living in light of what is true. You see, the bread and the juice are in the back. You just take the bread and you dip it in the juice. There's a table on the left and on the right. And during our time of worship, just go back. Take communion. And if you put your trust in Jesus, if he is your prince of peace, if he is the one you are looking to as the source of peace, then go back. Take communion. Do it as a sign of worship and rejoicing and remembering unto him. But this morning, if not, if that's not the case, if Jesus is not yet your Prince of Peace, if you are still recognizing that you are looking to something other than him to be your, your source of peace, then I encourage you, hold off on taking communion. Instead, come to him, the Prince of Peace, first. Ask him to be your source of peace. Submit to him, surrender to him. Ask, trust in him. No matter where you're at this morning, I want you to know you are welcome here. If Jesus is your Prince of Peace, or if you are investigating what it means that he might even be that for you, I want you to know you are welcome here. This people is for you, this place is for you, but he is the one that you need. And so come to him. As we take communion, as we sing, I just want to encourage you all, talk with God this morning. Be honest with him about what's going on in your heart. Be honest with him about the things you're looking to other than him to be your source of peace or the thing maybe you see him just as a means to peace but not as the source itself. Ask him to help you submit to him and to keep submitting to him, to keep setting your eyes on him. You see, one of the greatest blessings of Christmas is that Jesus came to us in the flesh, that the invisible God became visible man. And I just want to encourage you this morning, God did that so that you might have hope in him. They might have trust in him. They might see that he's not just some ethereal force, but he's the great king of all who loves you. In the incarnation, the coming of the king, the prince of peace at Christmas, it reminds us of the peace that we have with hope in him. And so set your mind on that this morning. Ask the spirit to remind you of those truths so that you might feel and touch and grasp and take hold of the inner peace that Jesus offers you this morning. Let's pray. King Jesus, we come to you this morning. God, and we are grateful that you offer us the peace in our hearts that we are longing for. God, we are thankful that that peace begins with you. God, it begins by submitting to you and surrendering to you, by making peace, by, by trusting the peace that you make with us between you and God, between us and you. God, we need that kind of peace, and we need the, to experience as well the inner peace that the peace with you brings. And so, God, we ask, God, for our good, for your great glory, that you would indeed help us to do that, that you might remind us of what is true about you and what is true about us so that we might not just know where peace is found, but that we might experience life and peace in you. 
God, thank you that you are not just the giver of peace or the path to peace, but the source of it itself. God, help us to look to you and nothing else. God, so that this world and that our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers, God, they might see the peace that they're looking for can be found. That's found in you, King Jesus. We love you. Thanks that you have loved us first so that we might have peace in you. Amen.